Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation. I'm so excited to be here today because it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Alright, that'll be the last time you ever hear me sing the terrible Frank Sinatra impression, but I am so excited and it feels like Christmas time because we are now officially ramping it up to two podcasts a week, which means the season is inching ever so close to being here for us to finally enjoy and wipe the floor with our friends and become fantasy football champions yet again by listening to this show. We are continuing with our fantasy analysis by team depth charts in today's episode. This is part two. We're going to be going over the Dolphins. We're going to be going over the Vikings. We're going to be going over the Falcons. And we have another great guest for this podcast today. I'm so excited about this one. I'm so happy for it. Uh, We're going to have Frank B. from the Fantasy Wire, the Purple Rain Show podcast, coming on with us at the end of today's show to help us break down the Baltimore Ravens as well. So make sure you listen all the way through this episode to hear that at the end. You're not going to want to miss it at all. And make sure for this podcast and any other podcast, you check out on Radio Public, on Spotify, on iTunes, pretty much any of your favorite podcast apps, the MD Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you now. Also, check us out on our website, mdffshow.com, where you can go on there, get all of your off-season research. All the 2018 stats are gonna are on there for you already. The free agent tracker to see which one switch teams if you need to brush up on anything. You can go back, look at combine results, and also in a couple, just a few short weeks away now, the 
projections, the rankings, the downloadable draft kit, the first one of the MD's Fantasy Football Show is going to be available on the website as well. And for the first year, it will be free to you. And that'll hold, that's going to have all kinds of great stuff. It's going to have the schedule. It's going to have the depth charts. It's going to have the tier rankings, rank my, my general rankings, my projections. It's going to have all that stuff available for you, everything you are going to need to be able to dominate your draft. I guarantee you that. So, all that great stuff. Make sure you check us out there. Uh, once again, we're going to go right into the episode because, like I said, on Monday, we're not going to be doing any latest news segments uh, with these episodes here because we're going to go into so much detail and player news through each of the teams that unless something earth-shattering, unless something huge really comes across that we have to talk about that's not necessarily going to be one of the teams that we talk about, then I'll have to have a latest news segment. But until unless that happens, which it probably won't this time of the year, we're just going to be diving right into the episode. So let's get started. On the other side of this break, we're going to start off with the Miami Dolphins. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. So the Dolphins are a very interesting team because right off the bat, especially when you're going through the depth chart aspect of this show, you have quite a conundrum at the quarterback position. All all reports, everyone, everyone covering the Dolphins, everyone on the inside of the Dolphins, anyone in the national media, you name it, anyone who covers the team or covers the football sport has pretty much come out and said that Ryan Fitzpatrick has looked better in practice. And I would like to say thank you, Captain Obvious, to all of you for that piece of information. Now look, this show does a bunch of player news update notifications, and we report what is being said inside camp to give you the mo- the best edge, the best insight that you possibly can. And if you follow at MDFF Show on Twitter and put the notifications up, you will get all of those updates. So we have to tweet about this. We have to talk about this. Here's the here's the issue I have. Of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to look better in mini camps in practice. He's a veteran. He's been in the league how long? This is Josh Rosen's second year. He's coming off of a terrible rookie year from a terrible situation where he, I would say, didn't even have a real offensive coordinator until halfway through the year in Byron Leftwich. And now he's got to switch, has a trade, switch systems on a dime, come in here, learn a new offensive system, and he's not... He's only in the second year. So I don't know what Josh Rosen was really supposed to be able to do in this situation to look better than Ryan Fitzpatrick in minicamp. The real question will come in training camp. The real question comes for the Dolphins in the future. To me, I would lean towards Josh Rosen being the starting quarterback for the Dolphins come week one. For the simple fact that you traded a second-round pick to get him, you might be in position to take another really good up-and-coming quarterback next year. So you're in a situation where you got to see what you have out of Josh Rosen right away. There's really no reason in my mind to play Ryan Fitzpatrick in this situation. 
For what? You know what he is. He's a journeyman quarterback who's a stopgap guy who maybe if you're trying to make the playoffs or you're trying to be competitive this season, maybe you give him that start. If you're trying to groom a young guy, maybe you give him that start. I don't think Josh Rosen falls into the category of trying to groom him at this moment because you, as the Dolphins in this trade, one of the great things about the trade was that you don't owe him anything, so you're not in a position where you're committed to him for the future. So to me, it's going to have to be... I think at least Josh Rosen being the starting quarterback for week one uh, as we go forward, even if Ryan Fitzpatrick has looked better up until this point. Now, look, if training camp comes through and Ryan Fitzpatrick is leaps and bounds ahead of Josh Rosen throughout the entire training camp, then they might feel compelled to go Ryan Fitzpatrick at least for the first few games of the season until Josh Rosen gets acclimated. But Fitzpatrick, one way or another, won't be the starter throughout the entire season. Rosen will start at some point if he's not the starter week one. So at the end of the day, though, I don't think either one of these guys are somebody you're taking out of fantasy purposes. I do think if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter, I do think he could have some streamability to him again. He might get some of that Fitzpatrick magic again somehow, some way, just for the simple fact that I think the Dolphins' weapons are very underrated this season. Uh, starting off with Kenyon Drake going to the running backs here. Look, Kenyon Drake got a super raw deal with Adam Gase. You heard me talk about it at nauseum, nauseum at this point, I would I would imagine, if you've, if you've been listening to this show since last year, I would ream out Adam Gase every single week for not playing Kenyon Drake, for continuing to play Frank Gore for no reason. Kenyon Drake is the best playmaker on this team. He's the best offensive weapon on this team. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. I do think he's going to get a fair shake. Now, I know what all of you are saying. Hey, Dan, you went over in your Coaching Changes podcast. All the Patriot coaches are coming down. Won't they do a running back by committee. Look, Kalen Balaj is going to get his touches. I don't think Kenyon Drake's the guy you're going to try to run out there 20 times a game. I don't think that's going to be the game plan. But at the same time, I do think it will be Kenyon Drake's job as the primary running back because he's the catcher, because he's such a better runner than Kalen Balaj. Kalen Balaj is big. He's fast. He has no vision. He has no balance. There's nothing about him that overly impresses me other than the fact that he's an athletic phenom. That is it. That is it when it comes to Kalen Balaj. Kenyon Drake is going to get his opportunity. Even last year, when they seemingly would try to do everything in their power to not have him on the field, he would still he would still put up production because of how big of a playmaker he was, those big chunks, those long touchdowns. He still found himself in the top 26 of running backs in fantasy football last year in full PPR leagues. So, to me, there's no doubt about it. Kenyon Drake's going to get his, his opportunity to shine here as well. Kalen Blodge will be backing him up. And I don't see Kalen Blodge getting any more than six touches a game, if that really at the end of the day. Uh, backing them up, it looks like it's going to be Mark Walton if he can keep himself out of trouble, which is something that has been very difficult for him to do so far this season. And, of course, they have Miles Gaskin there. We'll see what he's able to do. He may come become a contributor on special teams, which may allow him to still stay on the team. Team further down the depth chart. We talk about the wide receivers. We have to talk about Devontae Parker. I know, I know, everybody's so sick of hearing people talk about Devontae Parker being a sleeper after he has been a disappointment year in and year out. But here's the thing: you're not he's not costing you anything. Right now, in ADP-wise, whether it's standard, half-point, full-point PPR, does not matter. Devontae Parker is going somewhere between the 13th and the 16th rounds if being drafted at all. I'm telling you, Devontae Parker is the number one wide receiver of the Dolphins this year. He will actually be allowed to get on the field. Adam Gase is no longer there to spite him. 
he will be good. They gave him a contract extension because they want to see what they have at Devontae Parker. These are Patriot coaches. These guys have played against him twice a year. They know what Devontae Parker is. They have seen him more so than anybody besides the Dolphins organization to this point. He's going to get his opportunities. Kenny Stills is nothing but a big play or nothing type of wide receiver. That is what he is. Devontae Parker has the talent that he had when he was a first rounder to be a featured guy if he's actually thrown to like a featured guy, but he has to be peppered with targets and I don't see why with this team he's not going to be. I don't think this defense is going to be very good at the end of the day and so whoever's the quarterback, I think their first read is going to be Devontae Parker for those outside guys and I think they're going to be in a lot of situations where they're going to have to play from behind and they're going to have to throw the ball quite a bit in the second half. So I love Devontae Parker here. I'm probably staying away from Kenny Stills unless it's a DFS every once in a while in a blue moon. They have a, a, a a certain matchup and I want to go cheap. I might go I might go Kenny Stills in that situation, but otherwise I'm not touching Kenny Stills. I'm not touching Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson still hasn't been able to get back on the practice field healthy yet. Yeah, the Patriot system, yeah, the slot receiver is going to be important. Albert Wilson's going to have to prove that A, he's healthy, and B, that he's truly a good wide receiver week in and week out because we really haven't seen it. Even even when he got hurt last year, even before that, he has a history of being injured. So is he even going to be on the field consistently enough for it to matter? The only wide receiver I'm looking at is Devontae Parker. And outside Devontae Parker, Kenny Drake would probably be the only other guy that I'm looking at from a drafting standpoint. Now, from a guy that I'm going to have my eye on, throughout the year, even though I might not draft him, but have my eye on waivers, would be their tight end in Mike Kosecki. We know the Patriots like to use the tight end position. I think especially if Josh Rosen plays, he would like to be able to use a tight end position as more of a safety blanket. And Mike Kosecki is a good talent who just did not get utilized in his rookie year. I expect him to take a step up. The guy behind him is Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen's not going to do anything. Dwayne Allen's not going to take away any touches from him. So I do think Mike Kosecki will be a factor heading into his second season and will be looked at especially as a featured guy in the red zone. But he's not somebody I'm going to draft because I got to see how the Dolphins' offense really plays out, and he doesn't have a big enough name to where I think you're going to have to worry about somebody taking him. He's somebody who, after your draft, you kind of put your little flag, your little add to watch list alert on, and you keep him there and you keep your eye on him in case you need to be able to stream tight ends or pick up another tight end due to injury, whatever the fact may be. That's where his value will be. I'm not going to be drafting him, but he is somebody who I'm going to want to have my eye on throughout the season. Just so you guys are aware or reminded, Jason Sanders is the kicker, uh, starting kicker for the Miami Dolphins that has not changed since a season ago. And I'm not going to go too deep into the Miami Dolphins defense because my synopsis is pretty much they are not fantasy relevant and stay away. Stay very, very, very far away. All right, we're going to take another quick break right here and come back on the other side with the Atlanta Falcons. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts, but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. The Atlanta Falcons are probably one of the really nicest teams to go through as we go through this mini-series here, uh, the, the fantasy analysis by team depth charts. And the reason for that is that their depth chart is pretty much set. There's not a whole lot of guesswork to it. We know Matt Ryan is the starter. 
We know Devontae Freeman is the starter. We know Julio Jones is the wide receiver one. I think we all know at this point that Calvin Ridley is going to be overtaking Mohamed Sanu as that wide receiver two, and then Mohamed Sanu is the wide receiver three. We all know that Austin Hooper is the starting tight end. Uh, we all know the Atlanta defense got hurt in the worst ways possible very early on in the season last year and have a good defense. The only thing that maybe would be different than it was in the beginning of the season last year is that Tavekiao is going to be the kicker for the Atlanta Falcons. But we kind of knew that already, too, because he came in when Matt Bryant got hurt last season towards the second half, and they knew we resigned him, and they were going to bring him on. So from a depth chart stance, this is actually one of the few teams we're going to talk about where there are no question marks as to who is going to start. Now, what's everybody's expectation? Well, look, the one thing about the Atlanta Falcons this year is that while I tend to not put too much stock into looking ahead at schedules to determine you know, fantasy value for certain players because you just don't know at the end of the day. You don't know how good defenses are going to be in November, in December. Uh, there's, there's certain matchups that look great on paper now and just won't be later on or look like terrible matchups now. Like the Jacksonville Jaguars look like a terrible matchup for everybody involved until we got into the season and realized um, the defensive will broke and they didn't care anymore at that point. And all of a sudden, they were a great matchup, especially if you had a running back going against them. It's things like that we don't know. But here's what we do know about the Atlanta Falcons. They are very, very good when they get to play inside. Guess what the Atlanta Falcons get to do almost the entire year, all except for three games? They get to play inside of a dome. Whether it's the eight games at home, playing the Saints, playing the Vikings, they play 13 games inside this year. This team playing 13 games inside this year, that is significant in the schedule for me to give everyone a little bit of a boost up. Matt Ryan gets a little bit of a boost up. Devontae Freeman gets a little bit of a boost up. Julio Jones gets a little bit of a boost up. Everyone gets a little bit of a boost up because of this. Even the kicker situation, because I love kickers who get to kick inside for a majority of the year. That's why I've always been a big fan of dome kickers. They don't have to deal with the elements. It gives them better opportunities for longer kicks because they're not dealing with the elements. So, all of those things really pan out well for anyone you're really interested in with the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan should be a top six quarterback in fantasy football this year, given the weapons, given Dirk Cutter coming back as being the offensive coordinator. It's going to be a pass first offense. He has extra weapons. Calvin really coming back and developing in his year two, or he has Julio and Muhammad and, and Austin Hooper and Devontae Freeman, who's back and healthy. And then Devontae Freeman, we talk about him. The biggest thing I need people to remember about Devontae Freeman is that his first breakout season where he burst onto the fantasy scene as a top 10 RB1 was with Dirk Cutter. Everybody wants to make this point that Dirk Cutter's terrible for running backs and all. Look, Devontae Freeman maybe didn't have the best efficient year that season, but between his rushing, between his receiving, he was number 10 on the dot running back one. It was an RB1. That was under Dirk Cutter. That was under a pass-first system. That was a year that Tevin Coleman was splitting workload with Devin, with Devontae Freeman. Period. So I don't want to hear Dirk Cutter is just a cancer running backs, and therefore even if Devontae Freeman comes back healthy, he's somehow not going to get the opportunity to be able to produce because it's totally false because he has produced with Dirk Cutter. Maybe it's just because... Ronald Jones wasn't that good and couldn't even get on the field. Maybe it's just because Peyton Barber is a backup running back who's starting for an NFL team. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was Doug Martin was just too injured and too much of a head case in Tampa Bay. 
I mean, it's not like he came into Tampa Bay and had a slew of talent at the running back position either. So that's the thing I want to keep pointing out to people. The other thing I want to keep pointing out is Edo Smith is not Tevin Coleman. Edo Smith is not going to come in and rotate every other series with Devontae Freeman. That is not going to be the case. At, at best, or I should say at worst, because you don't want the running back by committee, at worst, Edo Smith is every two series. That's at worst. I don't even see that happening. I think he's going to be a true backup. Devontae Freeman is going to be a true featured guy. Now, is he going to be a true featured guy in the sense of, I think he's going to get, you know, 275 plus carries? No, no, I don't. I think 240 would probably be a good max for Devontae Freeman. But he's still going to be the featured guy when it comes into the red zone. He's still going to be the guy when it comes to catching the football because Edo Smith is not nearly as good as Devontae Freeman when it comes to catching the football in a pass-first offense. So all of those things, I think he could be having one of his best years receiving. Devontae Freeman, if he stays healthy, will have the opportunity to be an RB1 this year. He'll have the opportunity. I'm not saying he's going to be an RB1. I'm saying he will have the opportunity to be an RB1 this year. He, if he stays healthy and is on the field, he's an automatic RB2. And he's going right now in that back end of the fourth round, fifth round area. You can get a solid, you know, bona fide RB2 with RB1 upside back there. Him and Mark Ingram are two guys that I'm going to keep driving home through drafts unless they start to move up in ADP throughout, throughout all the platforms. I want people to know who listen to this show to know Mark Ingram and Devontae Freeman's name because those are two guys who are going around the fifth round who are bona fide RB2s given their opportunities and their situations both could be RB1s. And everyone's just looking past them, they're looking at Aaron Jones, and they're looking at, you know, I, I do like Marlon Mack a lot, so I won't throw him in there. He's just a little bit ahead of them in that in that area. But looking at Aaron Jones, they're looking at Derrick Henry, they're looking at Darius Geis in a similar area, which is just absolutely asinine to be doing so. They don't belong there. Mark Ingram and Devontae Freeman are head and shoulders above all of those guys that I just mentioned. All of them. So make sure you keep that in mind. The situation is going to be there. They are going to put up a lot of points, and and good offense is vital for a running back's production, especially when it comes to scoring, especially when it comes to the fantasy points that matter. Wide receivers, we know what Julio Jones is. He's he's wide, he's a top wide receiver three every every year. He's going to be in the top three. He's, he's wide, I should rephrase that. He's a wide receiver one who's going to be in the top three at the position every single year, so you don't get confused. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be... Him and Hopkins, and then either a mixture of Adams or Thomas or maybe Odell Beckham Jr. this year, depending on what happens. But it's going to be Julio and Hopkins are going to be two of the top three. We know what we have out of Julio. Calvin Ridley, I know a lot of people are saying about his touchdowns. His touchdowns are going to regress. Maybe, maybe to a degree. He did score quite a bit on on a very efficient basis that is unlikely to repeat. But his total number of touchdowns could remain about the same because I expect his opportunities to rise from what he had a season ago. They had this weird thing where they would play him, he would have a big game, and it's like they wanted to keep Muhammad Sanu as the wide receiver too, so they kind of like hold Calvin really back a little bit from from playing near as much as he should at that point. And that's really that's not going to happen this year. Calvin really is a superstar in the making. Number one, Muhammad Sanu is a good slot receiver. It's going to be natural to put him. He's a bigger body slot receiver. It's going to be easy to put him in that position. 
It's going to be no reason for it. Calvin Ridley is going to go. Calvin Ridley is going to take a step up. He's going to be the number two when they go when they go two receiver sets. Calvin Ridley is going to be on the other side of Julio this season. There's not going to be any holding back. There's not going to be wait to see what he develops. There's not going to be Muhammad Sanu needs to get his touches. None of that. So Calvin Ridley right now is a good value. He's not really a sleeper type. He's going around that 8th, ninth, 10th round. I think he is a guy who uh, will give you some wide receiver 2 production. He'll have some weeks where he's a wide receiver 3 because Julio's going to be having a big week and stuff like that. I think where he is is good. I think he has the potential to outperform his ADP. I think there's very little chance he performs under his ADP, so that's the good thing about him. I do think he's safe at the price that you're going to be paying for him. But he's definitely going to be a guy that I think is going to have an opportunity to get double the touchdowns, especially if Julio struggles to get into the end zone on a consistent basis again this year. Although I will point out the last time Dirk Cutter was with the Falcons and, and the offensive coordinator Julio had his better years as a touchdown producer. So we'll keep that in mind as well. That's the great thing about this offense. It's one of the few coaching changes where it doesn't matter because all these guys were there when he was the offensive coordinator outside of Calvin Ridley. All of them. Austin Hooper is the guy I expect to take a step down, along with Mohamed Sanu. I don't, I don't think there's anybody drafting Mohamed Sanu. He is a guy, because he's on such a good offense, and because he's going to be probably in the slot role in full PPR leagues, he's probably going to have opportunities to be a streamer here and there in those leagues, in those situations. I don't think you touch him in a standard league, half point to some degree as well. But he's not somebody who I'm going to be drafting. If you want to keep your eye on him in the waiver wire, that's what I would do. Austin Hooper is going to take a step down. First of all, Austin Hooper is not really that talented, and he's incredibly touchdown dependent in my mind. And the better Calvin Ridley plays, the more utilized Devontae Freeman is in the passing game, the more just cuts into Austin Hooper's potential at the end of the day. So that's Austin Hooper, I don't expect him to be a top 10 tight end. Will he have streamability? Yeah, because he's going to have a stretch of games where they're going to have some good matchups at home or in a dome otherwise, where they're going to have some bad, some teams that are going to have some uh, bad plays against the tight end. So he might be able to get you a touchdown. Because in, in this league, if you don't get the top three tight ends, you're just looking for somebody who might give you an opportunity for a touchdown. I don't think you're going to be able to tell with any accuracy when those games are going to come with Austin Hooper. I don't think they'll be as frequent as they were a year ago, given given the weapons, given the surge, given Dirk Cutter. Um, you know, yes, they use OJ Howard. Yes, they use Cameron Bright, but his his offense doesn't. Let's say it doesn't amplify the tight end. It doesn't. It doesn't not utilize the tight end, but it doesn't amplify the tight end. Let's put it that way. And because Austin Hooper to me is could arguably be the fourth or fifth best pass catcher on the team I just don't see him having the same efficiency especially in the red zone come next season Falcons defense is going to be really good guys I everyone keeps sleeping on them they they seem to be a bottom feeder defense who's not even getting drafted in a lot of leagues if that's the case they'd be my number one streaming defense I will probably draft the Atlanta Falcons defense because I like the weight and I like the pickup value and I don't know why people are all of a sudden forgetting last year going into the season last year everybody was high on Atlanta's defense everybody knew that they had talent and because they suffered, their two best players on the entire defense got hurt within the first couple of weeks for the entire season. It's like all of a sudden everyone forgot that. You knew, you do know Deion Jones is coming back, right? You do know Keanu Neal is back in the lineup, right? 
this defense is going to be good, especially in the Dome under Gus Bradley. They have the pieces in place. As long as they stay healthy, I think this will be a top 10 defense, and they are probably going to be my sleeper defense of the year because, like I said, they're in a situation right now where they're not even being drafted, which is absolutely ridiculous given the talent that they have on that team. Tavecchio, Tavecchio has a chance to be a top 10 kicker. I don't know if you're drafting him. I think you kind of have to see it, but he's going to be on offense. It's going to score a lot of points. He's going to play inside. He does have a decent leg, so he should be able to get you those 40 and 50-yard bombs. I mean, is he going to be Matt Bryant, who is you know top eight, top seven every single year? I don't know. Matt Bryant was a special a special kicker, especially from a 50-yard range. Tavecchio, I'm going to have to see it. We really haven't seen enough of him in those situations to really know if he's going to be a consistent producer when he's put in that situation. But he's going to be on offense, scores a lot of points. So I'm fine with you. With, fine with you drafting him. If he's going to be a streaming kicker, I think he'd be one of the top streaming kickers to be able to look at. Uh, but he's somebody's going to have to keep on your radars as well. we'll. Take another break right here. Come back with the Minnesota Vikings right after this. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. The Minnesota Vikings are actually another team like the Atlanta Falcons where there's not a lot of question marks about their depth chart as far as who the starters are. But they do have some more interesting stuff as far as backups and stuff go that we'll, we'll get through. First off, you know, we have Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins started off, he was one of the top fantasy players uh, the first five weeks or so just because Minnesota was throwing the ball at a incredible pace. Uh, that we won't expect them to do again this season. They, you know, new offensive coordinator have Gary Kubiak in there, uh, even though he's the consultant offensive coordinator. But they're going to be running a a system that's going to allow more for running backs. Going to allow more for Dalvin Cook. There's going to be more of a balance to their overall offense in general. Which I think for Kirk Cousins as an NFL quarterback, I think it will be definitely beneficial for him because he's definitely a guy who plays better when he has a good running game. He can utilize play action when the whole burden is not on his shoulders. That that's when Kirk Cousins plays better. Now for fantasy purposes, though, you know. With him, just keep giving me opportunity, and eventually something's going to stick eventually. Kirk Cousins is still going to be a good quarterback. He's still going to be stream-worthy. I think he's going to be somebody who's going to wind up outside the top 12 in fantasy production, even though he has great weapons to throw the ball to. Now, his weapons may give him the ceiling of catapulting himself inside the top 10, just because Dalvin Cook is really great catching the ball. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, we know what they are. We know they're star wide receivers. So he has enough talent around him where he'll have the upside of a QB1. But because of the balanced offense, because of some of the inefficiencies that we saw him have, unless he was actually able to take a step up in his own personal playing. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
he might find himself outside the top top, top 12. I definitely think he's somebody who, if you're looking to take quarterback really late and you like to stream quarterbacks to begin with, I think he's somebody kind of just below Jameis Winston that you want to take later on and take a shot on for his upside because of his situation around him. That That is where I think Kirk Cousins you're going to be able to find him to be. I don't think he's going to throw the ball for 600 times. I think 550 would probably be a max number for him this season because I don't think they're going to try to throw it that much. And that winds up being the case. He's going to have to be pretty efficient on those throws and he's going to have to lean pretty hard on his playmakers, I think, to get top 12. Because I think he is a top of guy, type of guy who would need like 600 pass attempts in order to guarantee him being in the top 10. Something just to keep in mind right now for fantasy football purposes, but for NFL purposes, I think Kirk Cousins is going to look like a much better quarterback because they're going to have a much better balanced system, which leads me into Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook just has to stay healthy. That That is it. If Dalvin Cook stays healthy, Dalvin Cook will be an RB1. There's no doubt about it. He is an explosive playmaking pass catcher. He is perfect for the zone run scheme that they're going to be having there in Minnesota this season. Perfect for that, for that one cut on a stretch, hit the, hit the hole and go, hit, hit the cut back and go, use your explosiveness, burn guys. He was built for this system. For He was built to be a faster Arian Foster, and that's what they're going to try to use him as. But like Arian Foster, it's going to be a question of can you stay healthy? That's what's going to boil down to when it comes to Dalvin Cook. And look, they're in a situation where it's not like years previous where it's like, okay, well, we know Latavius Murray's going to try to get some work to keep Dalvin Cook fresh. I don't know. I mean, maybe the, the rookie Madison, who I do think will be the number two string on that team, maybe he has a bigger role than, than I'm kind of expecting. But at the end of the day, I don't think they have anybody on here who's going to be in a quote-unquote share workload on a consistent share workload or a consistent kind of committee in any in any capacity. Dalvin Cook pretty much has the role to himself. It's kind of like the Leonard Fournette situation where you look at the rest of the roster and they go, they didn't really add anybody who threatens to t- steal touches from you in any any particular situation. So this looks like your job. All you have to do is stay on the field. And you should have tremendous fantasy production. So Dalvin Cook right now, he's kind of going that second round. I think that's where he belongs because just because of the injury factor. But it also acknowledges the fact that you know if he's on the field, he's going to produce like an RB1 because the offense is built is built for Dalvin Cook. Wide receiver-wise, backing him up, of course, I talked about Madison. Uh, you know, Mike Boone's still there. Rock Thomas is still there. We'll see if those guys wind up being on the bottle. But there's just... I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Madison kid. I don't think he's somebody who's going to come in and steal goal line work from Dalvin Cook. I know some people kind of pointed that, thinking that he might steal that Latavius Murray role. I don't think that's going to be the case, especially early on in the season. I don't think he's going to play that much. So that's why I think it will be Dalvin Cook's, really his job. And they might just spell him once in a while with someone. Wide receiver-wise, we know what you got. Yeah, I'm dealing with Stephon Diggs. There's not even a third receiver to really even care about when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. Part of the reason why I think they they decided they were they were going to extend Kyle Rudolph and draft Irv Smith because I think this is a team that's looking at it like you know what we might just go two tight end sets and have Irv Smith split off 
and he'll be our quote-unquote third receiver who we interchange and have him split off from the line of scrimmage once in a while and bring Stephon Diggs into the slot. Because Laquan Treadwell, at this point, I'd be surprised if he even made the roster. But then you have Chad Beebe, who would be the slot receiver or the third receiver in in, in aspects, if, if in respects, if, if, you know, if Laquan Treadwell does get cut. It doesn't matter. None of these guys have fantasy value. No, not, neither one of them. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. I still expect them to be interchangeable as far as who plays the slot, who plays the outside. I expect them to both switch around, move around quite a bit on the on the pre-snap. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens as far as motion and stuff goes. Although this is a system that does actually have some motion, I think that would be nice. Uh, out, you know, motion outside of Stephon Diggs coming in for a jet sweep. Uh, let's let's point that out because can we have motion? other than when he's coming in for a jet sweep, because it's getting really predictable at this point. How about just to move guys around and get a different matchup? Because with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs being so interchangeable, I would do that all the time to see, A, I can discover what coverages we're in, and B, get him a different mismatch. But Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs will do their thing. They are star wide receivers. They are low-end wide receiver ones that will be consistently high-end wide receiver twos for you. That That is what they are. I don't expect that to change with this offense at all. Uh, they're going to they're gonna have a lot of good play action, which is going to benefit both of them. As far as the tight end situation goes, I'm not drafting Kyle Rudolph. I've never been a big Kyle Rudolph fan. I've always thought he was overrated as far as what he brings to the table as far as a pass catcher goes. It did confuse me a little bit at first as to why he got the contract extension that he did after they spent a second-round pick on Irv Smith. But the more I thought about it, the more I came to the conclusion like I just talked about. I don't think they're going to play with the receiver that often. I think they're going to play two tight end sets. Irv Smith, you're not going to draft him. Noah Fant, I think, is the only rookie tight end that I feel comfortable drafting. That that includes TJ Hawkinson because I got to see it. I got to see what Detroit, what the hell Detroit is even going to do before I put TJ Hawkinson down as a rookie tight end that I'm willing to draft this season. Noah Fant's the only one I'm comfortable with. Irv Smith, though, I do have my eyes on him in the waiver in the waiver wire. He is somebody who I'm going to add to my watch list as soon as the draft is over, especially if I'm streaming tight ends, because if they do use two tight end sets quite a bit and they split and they use him as the pass catcher and Kyle Rudolph as the primi- primary blocker and have him split off, uh, yeah, I like Irv Smith in this offense with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. They get in the red zone, teams are going to forget about him. Kirk Cousins does like to throw to the tight end, guys, and it's not just because he had Jordan Reed. He generally likes to throw it to the tight end if he has the opportunity to do so, if he can work off a of play action. So Erskine is something I'm going to have my eye on in the waiver wire, but I'm not, I'm not going to be drafting him. I'm not. Vikings defense, I expect to take a step up. They underachieved last season. A lot of crap going on with Everton Griffin. He's back now, presumably mentally ready to go. So... I'm going to go with the Vikings are going to have a bounce back. We know Xavier Rhodes is really good. We know we had a down season last year. Mike Hughes is back. We didn't get to see him in action. I'm telling you right now, Mike Hughes is a shutdown corner in the making. He has all the talent in the world and be on the other side of Xavier Rhodes in that defense. He'll be great. They kept Anthony Barr. I just In general, that talent did not play up to snuff last year. I expect them to get back to being the talented Vikings defense that we all knew and loved going into last season. This is pretty much, for the most part, the same defense intact. They just didn't play as well. 
I expect that to change. The Vikings are definitely a a top five defense in my mind for fantasy football purposes that you're gonna you're gonna want to have that you're gonna want to draft when they when they start doing the defense run in your in your leagues, for sure. Dan Bailey, I love him. I know he had a couple of bad misses last year. He seemed like he was more inconsistent than he normally was. I think it was, you know, that, you know, just not having been on a team during offseason and, you know, practicing and warming up that way and joining the Vikings kind of almost midway through the season by the time he joined the Vikings. Uh, he's still in the Dome with Minnesota. You know how I feel about Dome kickers. Just talked about it with the Falcons. Uh, it's going to be an offense. I do think it's going to score a healthy amount. Probably not on the Falcons level, but they'll, they'll score a healthy amount. They're going to be in the top end of the of the offenses for the year. They're going to probably push to be a top 10 offense in total, I believe, especially if Cook can stay healthy. So they're going to score quite a bit. I do like Dan Bailey as a as a kicker one as you would say, in a 10 and 12 team league. He is somebody who I would definitely draft uh, when the time when it comes time to draft those kickers later on. Next up, after the break, I have a great guest coming on the show to break down everything about the Baltimore Ravens that we will need to know. Very excited about this guest. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and we'll have Frank B. of the Purple Rain Show on the other side. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Welcome back to the show, MD Nation listeners, and I have on the phone with me a very special guest to help us break down the Baltimore Ravens. He is the creator of the FantasyWire.com, host of the Purple Rain Show podcast, and a member of the full-time Fantasy Network. You can find him at FantasyWireHQ on Twitter, Frank but not uh, totally butchered your last name after I just got done asking you about it. <laughs> Frank B, everybody. See, that's, why, that's why I go with the B, man. I mean, you're an East Coaster, so you know it's nothing but Italians and Irish out there. It's Bonacontri. It's too much to say. Bonacontri, yes. <laughs> like, even my work email, I don't even use that because it's just pointless to re- you know spell it out for people over the phone. But, yeah, Frank, Frank B is cool. Frank Bonacontri is full name. It's it's too it's too many syllables. Yeah. You, know, you call yourself Frank B on Twitter, so everybody knows what I'm talking about. What I'm there talking you go. About. Yeah. <laughs> um. So um, one of the great things about you that you talk about all the time is that you have two teams. Uh, you have the Ravens. You have the Packers because you currently live in Wisconsin, but you moved there from Baltimore, Maryland. What what was that move like? Yeah, I do. I get some heat for that too, and people are saying you can't be a fan of two teams. What the hell? But you know, for me. <laughs> It's like I got an AFC team and I got an NFC team, and then I got a girlfriend team in the Raiders. I've always liked the Raiders too. Growing up, I don't know why. I just I've always liked them. But I grew up in Baltimore, so when I was a kid, the Colts were gone. We had no football, and everybody jumped to like Steeler fan, Eagle fan, or Redskins fan, and I just was like neutral the whole time. At the time in the early '80s, my uncle lived in Chicago, and he was a Bears fan. He'd send me Bears gear, Bears stuff. But when they had Bears and Packer games on, I was always rooting for the Packers. Like, I just loved them. I don't know why as a kid, right? So then I fast forward. I get out of high school. I moved to Wisconsin because my dad was out there. And, oh, I get to go to Packer games. 
And, I mean, all the stuff you hear about, well, you never get a season ticket, you know, you'll never get to a game unless you're a season ticket holder because they will them down to family over 30, 50 years. That's not true. You can, If you want to get into a Packer game, you can get in. But I've been to a ton of games, and, like, once I was in living here, that was it, man. Once you go up there, you're, you're hooked, man. You'd walk into that stadium and just everything, the history, training camps, all the things you do around there. Before Title Town, before all this, you know, Title Town District stuff, I've been up there, so I just loved it as soon as I got up here. And when I moved here, they were coming off the Super Bowl win, and then they went back against Denver and lost. And then 2000, I'm living here, and the damn Ravens win the Super Bowl, and I'm living here, so I can't even be out for that one. You know? <laughs> so I come out here in 96, Packers win the Super Bowl, I just missed it. 96 comes in Baltimore, the Ravens are... The, the official team. I miss their whole debut. I mean, my family's still out there, so I go back and visit and whatnot, but I get it here and there when I can. So, yeah, they're, they're my two teams. I mean, my heart is in my city where I grew up in Baltimore, and where I'm at and reside is Wisconsin, and it's the Packers. So they're, they're both they're my teams. It sounds like to me those two teams are just waiting for you to leave so they can actually I know, I need something. to flip so I can get some like. more Super Bowl wins. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when, uh, how long has the Purple Rain Show been on the air, and how long have you been hosting that now? Yeah, per- it's a great show, by the way. Yeah, Purple Rain Show is a website created by Phil Gentile. He runs that site, and it's been strictly Ravens. It's a kick-ass site. I've been on it as a fan for years, and he was looking. He's a big fantasy football player, so he was looking to get some fantasy content onto the site. We hooked up over Twitter and started talking, and we're, you know, we're like, we got to get some fantasy football content. You're hardcore. I'm hardcore. We do you know, 100% Ravens right now, but I want to incorporate some fantasy into the site. So we started out doing some things together, articles, breakdowns, and then he's like, well, let's do a podcast. I'll throw you the reins and just run with it, and let's see what happens. So I started doing the podcast, and he stuck with hosting a Ravens-specific podcast with Matt Wise. And they did their thing, I did mine, and I just kind of like rotate guests through that show because Purple Rain's got a bunch of writers. Everybody's got a different style take. So I like to rotate the whole crew through the podcast because then at least each week you get somebody different, somebody new, different perspectives, different takes, and you know everybody gets a chance to shine. So it's pretty fun, and it's pretty much at ease. It's pretty casual. You know, whoever feels like jumping on with me jumps on. Sometimes I host it solo. Whatever the case it is for that week, that's what we do. So we keep it real light. It's not hardcore. We're hardcore players, but we're not going to, you know, be like a podcast where we're just trying to imitate another podcast. We just keep it loose and fun, have some conversation, funny stuff, sound drops, and go from there. You know. Yeah, man that 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 sounds like a great setup you guys have over there. Great great chemistry at the workplace to be able to do stuff like that. So that's always that's always a plus, and it, it comes through in your show as well. I I've been spending the last week, you know, when I once I knew I was going to have you come on, uh, listening to it, and uh, I loved I love some of your takes you had uh, on on auction leagues and just like what you should do strategy basic fundamental strategy wise when you're looking at fantasy football. You know, don't don't drink and draft. Uh, you know, all, said, yeah. all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, as as I mean, it's definitely solid advice. Definitely, uh, definitely a listen if you're if you're new to fantasy football. You're looking for you know what's the what's the do's and don'ts. What's the fundamentals? Definitely check out Frank B uh, on the Purple Rain Show. He had a lot of great episodes uh, re- pertaining to those uh, those those things. Um, 
But let's get to what the listeners all want to want to hear about, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. I want to break down the Ravens. And, of course, the number one thing you talk about when you talk about the Baltimore Ravens is how improved can Lamar Jackson be this season, do you think? Yeah, he's, he, to me, is the most polarizing player on that team. And to me, I have sat, like I said, from 96 to now, all those quarterbacks that have run through the door – um, obviously, Flacco, say what you want, he's been the best. He brought a Super Bowl to Baltimore. He got paid, and then he stopped. Uh, but before that, we suffered Kyle Bowler. We suffered Stoney Case. We suffered, I mean, we had Testaverde for a while. He wasn't awful, but still. Lamar Jackson, in <laughs> one year, it's like people either love him or hate him. And it's like, why are you loving or hating this guy on one season? One season. What did you say, you know? Think of Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers in his first season. He, he kind of sucked. He wasn't that great. Um, hurt his shoulder. Well, I mean, it was. It's a you can't make a, an assumption on one season as a snapshot. But I think for his improvement this year, he's got Greg Roman in there with a whole new scheme, whole new um, offense over Marty Morningwig. Uh, I think his potential. I think his ceiling is ultimately high. Everybody knows that. But he's going to make a, a step forward, I think. He's not going to go backwards. He's got a solid baseline analytically from college. And, you know, he can give you five awesome throws in a game and then turn around and give you five bonehead throws where you're like, what the, what the hell is he doing? Those are things, are, those are coachable. He's got a full season, or, you know, half a season, I guess I should say, a tape on himself. He's going to break himself down. They're going to coach him up. He's going to do some things and learn. And in Greg Roman's offense, he doesn't have to win the game. I don't think he's going to be ready to win games on his own yet. But in that offense, you've got to run the ball first. They've been a top-10 rushing offense anywhere Greg Roman's gone. So he's not going to be asked to do much, but he's got to be efficient. And I think that's where his next step is going to come, whether it's short passes, mid-passes, like West Coast-style offense. That's where he's got to make the improvement. I can see him making it. I don't think he's going to turn into Mahomes or Rodgers. I'm not saying that. That's a little you know, too much to expect. But for the next step in a small you know, yeah, he can do that. Why not? Oh, I, t- I totally agree. When it comes to Lamar Jackson, the thing I always like to look at, and I think it's a double standard really at the end of the day, is that people who hate Lamar Jackson seem to love Josh Allen. And it really makes me scratch my head because they're the same quarterback. They did the same things last year. Run first, guys, could hit you on a couple of throws, but wildly inaccurate for the most part. And the thing that I like about Lamar Jackson a hell of a lot more than I like about Josh Allen is Josh Allen was inaccurate his entire collegiate career. Lamar Jackson played in a pro-tile type of system in Louisville. He His biggest issue to me was that he was not allowed to get in the rhythm because they were trying to run him so much. There was a lot of times where he was flat-footed trying to throw the ball deep. He does have the arm strength to put a nice deep ball down on the field. He just has to get back to getting back in rhythm and being a quarterback first rather than a running back first. Uh, as I'm going through projections, as I'm going through rankings, you know, I prorated Lamar Jackson out last season. He would have ran the ball 272 times had he started all 16 games just based on the average that he was putting out there for the seven games that he started. So I totally agree with you. There's nothing but improvement going to come for his passing ability as he actually focuses in on that. And I'm glad you brought up Greg Roman. Greg Roman had Colin Kaepernick. He had Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. He's used to having having these scrambling quarterbacks who he's able to put in position to win and not have to have them overdo it and and be comfortable within the system that they are doing. So I, I totally agree with you there. He, I do expect him to take a step up as well. The only one of the ways he's going to be able to take a step up is 
we have to see which one of these rookie wide receivers are going to come to play because they're going to get quite a bit of playing time. I mean, with the injury of Marquise Brown, it makes it kind of interesting. Who do you think is going to have more targets at the end of the, at the end of the day, Miles Boykin or Marquise Brown? I, I think it's ultimately going to be Brown. He's. I think Brown will come on strong, like the second quarter of the season, or even even like a late surge. Ultimately, I think it falls on Brown. He's the you know the top pick, but the Ravens drafted uh, Miles Boykin for a purpose. They traded up nine spots to grab him, so they've got some kind of role envisioned for him, and it's got to be. Red zone looks, chain movers. He's you know six three, two twenty. He's got a nose for the end zone. He's at Notre Dame. He broke uh, Will Fuller's record over six consecutive games with a TD. So I think he will have a role to play. But right now, in the immediate this season coming up, I think it's going to be Brown number one because with that Red Roman offense, they're going to run the ball down your throat. We know that, but I think it's more of a West Coast chain moving offense as far as the pass goes with play action, getting the deep bombs, and nobody separates like Brown. As long as he's healthy, um, nobody can separate like him. I'm thinking like Steve Smith, I said this on another podcast, like when Steve Smith was there, he's a little guy, and man, he would get behind DBs on the scramble. He just, he's out. Well, you know, he can stiff arm a guy. I think it's almost like that to a degree where Brown's going to get, you know, the one-on-one yak yardage. He, he can get behind when the defense has come down to smack the box against the run, Brown should go off on the deep play, play action, or even one-on-one. So that's where I'm thinking he's he separates himself early out of the gate. No, I, I, I agree. I don't see why, if, as long as he's healthy and ready to go week one, which it seems like he's supposed to be, I don't see why he would have a different role than John Brown had in the offense when Lamar took over last year, which was to be that big play threat and to be that main receiver, and the rest really goes to the tight ends and the running backs. Uh, me personally, I like your Steve Smith comparison. I usually compare him, uh, compare him more to a Deshaun Jackson just because of this, this skin yeah, body yeah. type. I, I but, can agree but that. The, yeah, the, the same concept though. He's going to get separation. He's going to beat defenders deep. He's so fast. And the thing I like about Marquise Brown even a little bit more so than I liked about Deshaun Jackson. I was a huge Deshaun Jackson fan when he when he first came out. Is I think Brown has a lot more nuance to his route running capabilities, which is why I'm so excited about what his future uh, may hold. But for this season, for fantasy purposes, I do think it will be Marquise Brown at the end of the day. I'm curious to see what Miles Boykin's, his uh, his production is going to be his for the red zone. Because uh, he is a bigger guy, like you said. So it's going to be kind of curious to see, do they, or is it just going to be a tight end situation when they get in there? Because that's what you know, Greg Roman and the offense, and frankly, what their personnel is built to do. Which leads us into our next question: What do you think the real ex- realistic expectation for Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst might be this season? Yeah, I've, I've been saying it for a while. I think the tight end group is going to be the PEBC tight end by committee, and it's going to shake down with Andrews, Boyle. And Hurst, I think Boyle and Hurst could be interchangeable. But Andrews, I mean, we all know rookies don't make a splash their first year. Well, Andrews did, and he, out of all the receivers, everybody on the team developed the most chemistry with Lamar Jackson. I think that's his go-to guy. And they re-signed Boyle, Nick Boyle. He he's not asked to go downfield to catch a lot of passes, maybe some red zone looks, but he's in there to block and run. So we know his role. And Hurst. His top pick was from the other year was hurt with his foot injury, ankle injury. So he's not, I mean, he ain't going anywhere, but he's your camp battle to watch. Is he going to be the number two or is it going to be Boyle? The, the number of looks that Greg Roman's going to run out there, you could see 
you know, a double tight end set with maybe Andrews Boyle, maybe um, another offensive lineman takes up a tight end spot. It's just so many interchangeable pieces. He's more innovative than Morningwig ever was. So the tight end group. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, the tight end group as a whole, I think it's just going to be whoever the hot hand is between Andrews and Hurst, maybe. I could see that. Um, but Andrews is definitely your pass catcher. And Hurst, we just don't know yet. He's getting bigger in the off season. He should be about 265 for the season. Hopefully, you know, that's going to make him physically harder to, to stop for opponents but, and hopefully stay healthy, protect his foot, because he had screws in it last year, and he was up and down. You know, his rookie season was just frustrating, up and down with stuff. So we'll have to see how he emerges this season. And he's the older head in that group, so he ought to come up pretty quick, I hope, fully healthy and a full off season in the program. Yeah, he really doesn't have much time to waste. He was, I mean, he was, what, 25 already when he was drafted, 26? Yeah, so he's got uh, to get rolling. Right, exactly, to begin with. And they drafted him because he was supposed to be able to do a little bit of everything. He's supposed to be able to block. He's supposed to be able to catch. Mark Andrews, by far, to me, is definitely the best athlete of that group and I would think would be the number one pass catcher at the end of the day because he's going to be the one guy who I think you feel like you can split out and kind of use him in that role a little bit. I look, As a 49ers fan, I know Greg Roman, we use three tight end sets a lot of times when we had Colin Kaepernick. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that quite a bit as well, uh, especially with how much they want to run the ball anyway. And, and to your point, Nick Boyle really being there more as a blocker. Them re-signing Nick Boyle to me, I thought really hurt Hurst's value because – that was kind of going to be his, I, th- I thought would be his role, where he would be the guy where they did two tight end sets, and him and Andrews would both be on the field, but because he could block is why he would be out there on more snaps, and if that's not going to be the case, which I don't think is going to be, they don't you don't pay Nick Boyle a three-year contract to have him sit the bench. So I, I do think it's going to be quite interesting as to what his value is going to be. And I think, I think, in a way, that could actually propel Andrews because if they're too busy trying to see who gets to start because of who's going to be the blocker, that just means Andrews getting is getting left out on the island to go ahead and be the pass catcher 24-7. Not 24 Harris will get mixed in a little bit there, but definitely, yeah, definitely the main one. It's pretty. I think it's pretty package-dependent on what they're rolling out there for their formations and what they want to do situationally. But overall, if you look at the Ravens' offense, it's, a, it's an unknown, and in fantasy world and real life, people want to be able to say, okay, it shakes down like this, one, two, three, four, and it doesn't. It's the most blurry right now than it's ever been because even the, the wide receiver depth chart, you can look at three different sites. They'll be ranked three different ways as far as one, two, three, and four. So I've seen Willie Sneed at one, Brown at two, Moore at three, Seth Roberts, Miles Boykin at five. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole bunch of bubble players behind him, behind those guys, and then the tight ends are the same way. So really, it's an unknown. I mean, it's a it's a dart throw to a point. So you can't really pin anything down until I think like the first quarter of the season because I want to see how Red Roman's running that offense. I want to see what what he's throwing out there in red zone packages, um, deep throws. Just you got to kind of see how it shakes out for the month of September and then October. They'll probably come into a little better focus. And then November comes, and one of these guys are going to be hot. They're going to be your go-to. Somebody's going to emerge. They'll get into a better rhythm, and then we'll have a little pistol clear ball. That's going to play out, hopefully. Well, yeah, no, and I'm glad you said the first quarter of the season because I do want listeners to be informed that 
I don't know if you're going to get a clear-cut idea throughout training camp because it's going to be this guy had a bad day of practice, this guy had a great yeah. day of practice, and then it's and it's going to be flip-flop the other way around the very next day. So I don't take too much out of what you hear coming out of training camp for them. I, I do agree with that part. It's something that you, you have to know what their talent is, and then if you want to take the shot on, say, a Mark Andrews later on as a sleeper and tight end, just know that it might be halfway through the season before he really starts to come into his own as far as getting all the opportunities in the situations you need him to for fantasy football because uh, it just it might take a while to shake out quite frankly right. um speaking of committees which this team is just you know the team of committees as as we've said but let's let's carry it on to the running back position yeah do you think mark ingram's going to be in a committee or do they think they brought him on because he can catch the ball a little bit to be the workhorse guy i, I think they want him in like i don't think he's going to be full bell cow status but he's the lead dog and and like you said you're a niners fan you know greg roman's history He's gonna. He was ranked top ten in rushing yards and attempts, yards at every stop that he's had. Niners and Bills. He had Frank Gore, Sean McCoy. Now you know it's going to be Ingram first, but at his age and everything, he's got some wear and tear. I know the goal is going to have to be to keep him healthy for a playoff run. So they're going to have to compliment him with Gus Edwards, Ken Dixon, and then the rookie uh, Justice Hill. And I don't think it's going to be full blown committee where it's like 30 yards for this guy, 50 yards for that guy. I think it's going to be Ingram with 75 yards or more a game, and then Gus Edwards, Ken Dixon, and mixed in there, sprinkled. And if one of those guys get hurt, and I'm thinking it would be Ken Dixon, he's got an injury history, he's been hurt every season, Justice Hill comes into play, and that guy, I really like him, out of Oklahoma State, 4-4-40, home run hitter, explosiveness, I mean, if he can crack that lineup at any point during the season, you could see him up in the two or three behind Ingram. But you, you've got to think Ingram staying healthy is the key to a run, especially if they're going to be running the ball top ten you know, in attempts and yards for the league. They've got to keep him healthy. So I, I assume there's going to be some rotation, but I don't think it's going to be an awful or dreaded, dreaded running back by committee. Right. <laughs> I, I don't believe so either. Usually in years past hasn't been Greg Roman style. He'll use a second running back, but is not normally in a, a, a full blown committee sense. Yeah. I do love I do love the Justice Hill kid quite a bit myself. I actually I me personally, I'm not the insider, you are, which is why you're on the show. But just as an outsider, I I personally think that it Ken Dixon might not make this roster because I think Justice Hill could be ready to take over at least third down, passing down type of work right away. And if he can do that, they might just say see you to Ken Dixon. That that's just my thought. Yeah, he's he is a bubble guy, and and when the, the cuts come down and they're splitting hairs on roster spots, absolutely, you, you've got to think that that injury history, his availability comes into play versus you know a rookie that you just drafted. I think at a steal this year in the draft. I'm surprised he didn't go higher. But he fits what they want to do really good. You know, I think it. I think that's definitely a shot. The wide receivers, the way they group out, there's going to be a lot of cuts there. I think maybe he gets in. He'll be. He'll make the team. We'll see. This this could be his last. You know, hurrah though for the team. No, I, I I agree with that for for sure. So last Ravens question for you, and it's it's a question that you know it doesn't get spent a lot of time on, but it can it can be important. That's when we're talking about defenses and special teams. And the Ravens were the number one last year, or um, excuse me, they were number two last year behind Chicago for fantasy purposes. Do you think they can return to say being a top five fantasy defense of this play, given the losses of Terrell Suggs, C.J. Mosley? Is the addition of Earl Thomas enough to keep them there? 
Yeah, I do. And I know I'm going to get heat for this, and I don't care, but I really I don't think they fall off as much as people are saying because they're getting left for dead out there as far as defensive, <laughs> fantasy-wise and real-life-wise. Um, but this is the second full season in Wink Martindale's defense. He was the linebacker's coach from 2012 to 17, so it's taking his shape in this second season. Five of the 11 guys that played the most snaps on the defense before, they're lining up on other teams. We know this. Eric Weddle, Rams, C.J. Mosley, Jets, uh, Zadarius Smith, Packers, so I get to keep seeing him at least. <laughs> um, you know, Terrell Suggs, Cardinals. But the uh, Ravens still have the number two, four, six, eight, nine, and ten highest-ranked guys in terms of snaps played on defense, even behind them. So it, it really doesn't change that much. You've got Michael Pierce on the D-line that's going to spot in because Ur- uh, Brett Urban's out. Defensive line, Landon Williams is already there. The two linebackers that step up the most in place of Mosley and uh, Smith are going to be uh, Patrick Wasu and Kenny Young. And those two guys, even Matt Judon, all three of those guys in Dean Pease's defense didn't do anything. They were just guys. But yeah. if you noticed last season when Martindale was really pulling the defense and getting this turned around, they shined. They had crazy seasons. Like, well, these are the guys we were looking for. Where have they been? And now they're here. So I think if they can keep playing and build off of that momentum, I think they'll be all right. They're faster. They're younger. The biggest two question marks of guys that I don't think would make it on linebacker would be Tim Williams, Tyus Bowser. Those are your bubble guys. But they also don't, and I haven't heard any talk about this at all, hardly at all. Shane Ray and Pernell McPhee are re-signed to the Ravens. McPhee comes back. Ray was signed as a free agent. I know they're hurt. I know they're not, you know, big household names. But those were two high picks Shane Ray was for the Broncos. And Absolutely. If, yeah, if they can stay healthy or just kind of get back to what they do best, even if it's a situational, you know, third down pass rush role, whatever it is, that's, that's a, a plus. That's depth. Jalen Ferguson was the Ravens' rookie. And uh, he, he, his NCAA record broke Terrell Suggs. So he can, he's got an opportunity. And then on safety, Earl Thomas, we all know, know and love Earl Thomas. He's a, definitely a fan favorite. Eric Weddle departs, and I love Eric Weddle, man, a huge fan. But if you watch a lot of his games, he, could, he was like, I guess if you could say Peyton Manning or Brett Favre in the later years where they would just walk up to the line, and they know. <laughs> they know what the defense is. It doesn't even matter what you try to disguise. They could audible out of that and beat you, right? Weddle was the same right. way. Weddle could, would take bad angles or a poor tackle and then give up plays in the end zone or miss it, barely miss an interception. So I think Thomas is your equalizer and an upgrade over Weddle based on his speed. His not, he can do just as many things, if not more, better. The, the corners kind of stay intact. Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young. Um, I don't think they fall off that much. I really don't. I really don't. I mean, I agree. I totally, I totally, one thousand percent agree with you. I've been driving home the bandwagon on the Ravens. I don't understand why they've been dropping as far as they have, especially in fantasy drafts. I everyone wants to keep pumping up Chicago. I think Chicago is going to take a hit with Vic Vangio leaving and going to Denver. I think the Ravens have a legitimate shot to be a top three, if not a number one fantasy play defense this year, because I think a lot of people are underestimating just how good they still are. And I was so happy you brought up the Shane Ray and and McPhee. Uh, reference there because yeah look the Ravens have never had big name pass rushers outside of Terrell Suggs they get 
production out of guys. They develop guys. And I yeah. do think they'll both be very effective for the Ravens as well. And, well, that's going to close is, down the interview. McPhee is uh, a wink guy. He know, You know, he knows this guy. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he didn't do anything in, in the Chicago, but he comes back to Baltimore and they go, we know what you can do. We know what you're about. So I think those two guys, they're, they're like kind of under, you know, undervalued pickups. And if there's any weakness, well, yeah, the question mark's linebacker. But look at your pass rush on your line with Pierce, Williams. You know what I mean? I think you're all right. The back end, you're still all right with Thomas and Jefferson. So it's not, I mean, the linebackers, eh, yeah, you can kind of make up for that as long as you've got a good pass rush. It's, it's in the trenches. That's always my belief. I, I totally Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, I want to thank you so much, Frank, for coming on to the show. You were a great guest. It was a great interview. Uh, I definitely hope to have you back sometime soon. Anytime you need me, I'll come on your show. Uh, before we close it all, all the way down, uh, just you know, what are you working on now? Where can people find you? What they have to look forward to if they go to check out the Purple Rain Show? Well, right now, I'm in the middle of my two best drafts, the, the Scott Fishbowl 9 and the Full-Time Fantasy Best Ball. Oh, that's and, excellent, yeah. Yeah, I'm working those. I'm trying to do – I like doing different strategies every league that I'm in. I just like trying different things. I never want to get pigeonholed into the same spot and have the same team across five leagues. So I'm always changing it up. Uh, but for the fantasy season, I have a um, website, www.thefantasyfootballwire.com. I'm going to try a new item on there. I'm going to tease it a little bit. It's still going to be top secret. Hopefully I can get that out week two if it comes together the way I want it to be. Otherwise, on Twitter, at FantasyWireHQ, and then PurpleRainShow.com is the website for Raven-specific content. And then through Twitter, we're always putting out articles that we've posted on the Purple Rain Show website. So those are, you know, including the podcast, Spreaker, SoundCloud, you can find us. We're on pretty much everything. And then during the season, the Purple Rain Fantasy Show will be on weekly, like we're discussing at the top of your show here. Every week, different guests, so definitely tune into that. We keep it simple. We cover the basics and then just have some fun with it along the way. So That sounds awesome. Thank you so much. You can find them at FantasyWireHQ on Twitter. Make sure you follow along. Frank B. is a great listen, a great follow for all of your fantasy football informational needs. Thank you again for coming on the show. Anytime. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I think it was a lot of great content for you in this one. We will be back on Monday, and I'm going to have another very special guest for you on Monday as well. So make sure you stay tuned at MDFF Show on Facebook and at MDFF Show on Twitter to know who that's going to be as we lead up into it and when that exactly on Monday that show will become available. Also keep up to date with Twitter for the player update news, notifications. You can find this show on Radio Public, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere your favorite podcast app is, the MD's Fanny fantasy football show is widely available to you make sure you also check out the website for all of your off-season research and episodes there as well mdffshow.com also find us on any one of our networks overtimeheroics.com unwrapsports.com or bellyupsports.com man the md's fantasy football show is getting everywhere right now for you because of the listeners to help you win a championship i will see you guys on monday Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.